0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chronically Well podcast. I am here today with Denise Nichols, and she is, well, I consider her a friend at this point in my life, but she is a pelvic floor therapist over at Motivate Therapy, and I think you're going to be fascinated by the information that she will share with us today. Thanks for being on the show, Denise, and for being so patient with me with all of our technical difficulties. (laughs) Okay, so before we get started, before we start talking about illnesses or vaginas, I would love for my listeners to know a little bit more about you. So if you can just give a quick where do you live, Who? what do you do, maybe kind of sum up a little bit about what a pelvic floor therapist does and
1: who you love. A little bit about what a pelvic floor therapist does. <laughs> Okay. So I am Denise Nichols. I live in Rockford, Illinois, and I own an outpatient clinic that houses physical therapists and occupational therapists. And we really specialize in what I consider whole body health. So we understand, you know, we look from the whole body picture that the mind and the body influence each other. And therefore, you know, our our, our focus and as occupational therapists, my focus is is really on self-care. I think we all need to get better at that in every aspect of our lives. And I really feel like when issues, when we're having dysfunctions for which we might need a pelvic floor therapist, those categories are bowel, bladder, and sexual function. So your pelvic floor are muscles, basically, that enclose the bottom of your pelvis. So it stops all your organs from falling out. It gets blood flow to organs for for sexual function. It can stop it should stop the flow of urine and stool and also allow it out. so it's got all these these functions it supports the organs it stops things from falling out. There's a sub pump as well so when we get sick and our lymphatic system is stressed, you know that can be an issue as well. So yeah. when we're looking at, when those things start to fall apart, right, leaking or having pelvic pain or whatever, it very much becomes, a, is a self-care issue. Our body is is talking to us. So very much, I come from the thought that I, I want to teach people how to start to listen, become more aware of their body signals so that we pay attention to the signals and we don't deal with the symptoms. So that's really what pelvic floor therapist is and, and whole body health in our approach as far as how we approach it and motivate mm-hmm. I love, I love, I love everybody. I love, I love what I do. I'm so passionate about what I do. All of our patients are so amazing. Unfortunately, with pelvic floor therapy, we have to be very empowered and often ask for it and really seek it out when we don't, you know, get the help that we need. One of our, one of the staggering statistics is that we'll see somebody, especially with pelvic pain or dysfunction there, will take 20 different, we might see 20 different doctors before we get help. And so it's, and that can be obviously very frustrating. So I love when, you know, people find us, but, you know, also to the doctor's defense, it takes women five to six years to talk about anything going on down below. So we have to get better about talking about it. But so very much that I love the people that by the time they come to us, men and women, you know, they're very motivated and, and do really well. So But I have a husband and a son and a daughter. So and family and and a really great team here as well. So
0: Wow. Okay. Did you say twenty?
1: Yeah, twenty different doctors. Yeah. Somebody might see. And by the time they're done with that, they'll, you know, think about the different types of tests and procedures and medications they might come out with too. Because pain, so the- pain is difficult, you know? It's a difficult thing, as you know, to, yeah. to pinpoint. Yeah,
0: pain is the worst. It's the worst, and I feel kind of lucky, actually, because I only went to two doctors, I think, before you guys. Okay, so next question. Thank you for sharing all that. First of all, for my listeners, I want you to know that your mind really is going to be blown today because I feel like it's this whole area for women, for men, but also for, like i think a lot for new moms and for people who just don't understand that there's this whole aspect of care out there and help available that no one even know exists. So i came to motivate in 2015. And that was right after i had my daughter and i had all of my interstitial cystitis symptoms, but you were the very first person to actually say cuz i said I was like okay, i've had this pain for a while. If it's not related to my pelvic floor, what could it be? And you said, well, it's pretty uncommon, but it could be interstitial cystitis. you were the actual you were the first person to actually give me that term so thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time it was terrifying but yeah. finally getting that diagnosis was liberating also. so thank you for having that information. when you hear pelvic floor therapy you think like old ladies right or just like, maybe people don't even think about anything. But for me, when I went in, I was thinking, okay, this is for people who don't know how to poop or like (laughs) have just like total incontinence, you know, but like I don't have that. So maybe just a little – Some, and I know there's so many different types of um, things you can help with, but maybe if you want to talk a little bit about the more common types of pelvic pain that pelvic floor therapy could be helpful for and maybe just a little bit about like after women have babies, those types of services that are available. I
1: think, you know, the important thing to really wrap our brains around is that yes, pelvic floor therapy is a specialty, but it is from the same framework as OT and PT. So like if you know if you're gonna go, if you were told for your back or for your shoulder to go for therapy you know, I think we understand that a little bit more, that it is natural conservative care using your own body and your own mind, using your own, the tools that you already have. It's as natural as, and as conservative as you can get, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we, OTs and PTs, are very much believers that we should be or one of your first lines of defense, not let's try this medication or try this, you know, all these evasive tests, especially when we're talking about, you know, bladder and all of that. We definitely want to rule right. things out. But it really is, we have to understand that we're talking about muscles that are in, you know, um, an area that are very much, we're talking about our deep core. So the pelvic floor is, so if you're sitting right now, Mm -hmm. you know, feet flat, feel your butt bones, you know, that that's your center of mass, you're sitting on your butt bones. And what slings in between that is your floor. And then on either side of that sling are your hips. So we're talking about core. And if you know you have had history of back pain or hernia surgery, C-sections, any kind of abdominal surgeries, right, gallbladder, appendectomies, even chronic constipation, chronic abdominal pain, bloating, you know, all of those things, let alone traumas, um, sexual traumas, you know, any kind of physical trauma, you know, uh, car accidents and, and those kinds of things can very much affect us deep in our core. And so let's say you had some kind of trauma that affected your ability to tolerate intercourse, and Mm -hmm. then you fell off a horse, and then you had a C-section and all those different things, your body just keeps learning how to adapt. So it is truly no different than back pain. Your body keeps learning how to adapt. But when we're talking about pain with intercourse, for example. Yeah. if Every time I get touched, I have pain. My brain is now going to associate pain, touch with pain, right? Mm-hmm. So now my muscles are going to tighten up. It's going to be scary. I'm not going to want to let you in. So now mm-hmm. everything, so now that over the next 10 years, because I never talk about it, or I thought pain with sex was normal, mm-hmm. because maybe my mom and my grandma had issues. And so the same thing can be, is true that we I see all the time for urinary. Yeah. If you feel the urge to pee and you have leaked on your on the way there, mm-hmm. then you're gonna every time you have urge you're gonna be scared. Mm-hmm. So all of those things are truly what what we're we're talking about. And so you can you can plug those into any aspect of your life. So. We see plenty of women. I think people are surprised, like you said, to not just see a bunch of little old ladies sitting in our waiting room.
0: Mm-hmm. We see
1: a lot of women in their early 20s. Wow. And that's usually pain with intercourse. Okay. And then we see, right? Then we see, then we get that better, and then they get pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> which is always exciting. Why I always love, I just recently had a woman... Who stopped me in the hallway here and said, "I saw you five years ago when you changed my life. I have two children now." So Aww. that that was that's always, of course, why my job is so great. And talking about things that nobody wants to talk about, you know, it's yes. a safe space to like problem solve through this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you know, pregnancy, back pain, pubic bone growing, all the pains that go along, and and it's it's staggering, like. 60 percent, you know, back pain stops us from working. And then we have 60 percent stress urinary incontinence, which means we're leaking when we cough, sneeze or laugh. That and then pain with intercourse up to a year after having baby. And so we don't, you know, other countries retrain the core. But, you know, the body has learned to waddle. It has learned to to do all these compensatory things. And then we, we don't retrain it. Mm -hmm. And then all the hormone shifts and all the funky things that we do for breastfeeding and, you know, and we just, there goes self-care for the next 16, (laughs) 18 years, truly. Yep. And so the postures and all those things that get us into trouble. And now we work, we do the same job over and over and over for 20 years, the same things, right? So that's what our bodies are practiced at. And then we do some weekend warrior thing, you know like weeding around the entire house on a Saturday, <laughs> right? And then, <laughs> right? And then, you know, and and groin pain, it could be a groin pain or it could stop me from peeing. I mean, that's the thing about the hips and the back. Um, and then menopause and then it changes in testosterone and those kinds of things. And then we can end up with pain with intercourse again. So it's, it's the ages and the stages of life and the, the hormone changes, our, our habits, the stress that we deal with, all of those things really affect us deep to our core, and that is what we're talking about, our deep core, that can be absolutely reeducated like any other part of your body.
0: That's what I love about Motivate and everyone there. I -hmm. feel like you ladies were not just the physical therapists for me, but also you were the only people that were like, yes, this can change. This can get better. You were the first people to give hope that pain can actually – Go away. <laughs> so
1: yeah. it's a powerful thing, isn't it?
0: It is that belief in and of itself. I think was a trajectory for change for me. So
1: Good. I'm going
0: a little off script here because you brought up a lot of women in their 20s with pain with intercourse, and I know I still have friends who have had children and they still cannot enjoy intercourse. Like they they have pain or they've. They just fear it and it's no fun and I just – I feel for them and I've been telling them, listen, I think there's help. (laughs) I think you can get (laughs) help for this. So what would you recommend to somebody who is experiencing that? I know obviously coming to see you, are there other programs? Well, this just
1: goes – it goes right back to what we were saying that, you know, because we don't talk about this stuff. So li- just it's listening long. to things like this, right? Yeah. So podcasts, there are all kinds of awesome podcasts out there about pelvic floor therapy. I mean, dyspareunia is the fancy term for, you know, can't tolerate penetration. So you could Google dyspareunia, D-Y-S-P-A-R-E-U-N-I-A. And then Google, you know, or, or YouTube, there's all kinds of information out there. MotivateTherapy.com, we have information We blog all the time about it. But it's understanding that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal, right? So unfortunately, I think... Women think that it's always hurt, so therefore it's normal that it hurts, just like leaking, right? I, I will never be able to jump on a trampoline again because I've given birth, and or none of my friends that also have given birth, they'll never be able to jump on a trampoline again either. And that's not true. You should be able to jump or run or do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Like leaking is not a penance <laughs> for <Right. laughs> having a vaginal or c C-section, whatever. It's not. You should still be able to do it. Like, you know, we need to just be able to empower, like step up for ourselves, Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do. You know, we get the mom guilt and, and all those fun things that come along with not just losing our pelvic floors, but we right. also somehow justify that, you know, we're not as important and that. And I, and unfortunately, I think that's the message that we send ourselves when we just allow ourselves to be hurt by our partner. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing is your partner doesn't want to hurt you. I mean, I hear that all the time that, you know, men see that you know, our, our partners, whether it's male or female, they see right. in your face. That you're uncomfortable and so it's not fun for them right and so having having su- a supportive partner is super important so i would say if you hopefully you have the kind of relationship where you can talk about it with your partner mm-hmm. and and you know we have things called other course so you know if, if we can have pain free intimate experiences first and foremost mm-hmm. without pain that's so important but your body is not going to trust you if you keep allowing yourself to have pain so being so not so stopping the force and learning how to have pain free intimacy first and then pain free penetration second so we talk about self massage and using vibration dilation that's really important you know, for, for that population, but also, you know, for the for scar care after baby, for menopause and relubricating afterwards. So, you know, learning how to be okay talking about this stuff and touching ourselves yeah. is is big too. Yeah.
0: I remember so my second appointment there <laughs> Sharon was like, Okay, we're gonna do some internal work and we're gonna use the vibrator. I had never ever
1: used <laughs> <laughs> A vibrator in my whole life, and
0: so I was. Yep. Yes. I was a little. I was a little nervous about what was going to happen. What are some ways that you use vibrators therapeutically? Because I've had this question from people. They're like, "Wait a minute! They gave you a vibrator?" Yeah, <laughs> this office. I'm like, right. no, no, it's for all of these health reasons. <laughs> right? Yeah. But so you're so- saying, first of all, to to kind of get your body used to pleasure, or at least like associating, touching yourself down there without pain, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. That's one way. So
1: we're talking about muscles again. So, you know, yeah. we we break out the the model or pictures or whatever to help them understand. I have a picture on my wall of a, of a pelvic floor because, you know, to understand first and foremost that we're talking about muscles and that nerves mm-hmm. and muscles interact with each other. So that is how, you know, we have that, you know, I think we finally are talking and understand now that we have our mental, emotional stuff physically manifests, right? Nice. I think we understand that. Like we know we have a gut feeling or we know what stress does to us anymore. Any Unfortunately, we've had a lot of practice over mm-hmm. the past couple of years to understand that. So I think then when we understand, we can look past the hair and the genitalia and all that. We can understand that they're muscles. And so muscles respond to massage, right? They respond mm-hmm. to trigger point and muscles need blood flow to be happy and healthy. But we can't, we're going to keep tightening if it hurts. So vibration is almost like white noise to the nerve. So rather than ow, 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 I am going to touch my hand with my finger and ow, it hurts every time I do it, right? But if I, if I, my finger is vibrating, I'm going to feel the vibration Mm -hmm. against my skin. I'm not going to feel necessarily pain. So Mm -hmm. we can, Go to the area where there's a lot of nerves that are coming out. I talked about those bones you were sitting on right now, right inside those bones or nerves and arteries that are getting squished all day. So people who sit and those kinds of things, we can get in there and, and do vibration externally and internally. You can trigger point release. You can calm the nerves down. Like I said, you can maybe what, what if you had pain, if you didn't have pain with this kind of penetration because your body's is more tuned in to the, to the vibration. And now we're getting blood flow, muscles are relaxing. And then that's how we begin to retrain. And now the brain can learn, oh, look, I'm squeezing my butt every time I try to do this thing. Yeah. Oh, I can get a control of that. I can talk to my partner about remind me to breathe or, you know, help me be aware of these things. So you cannot change anything that you're not aware of. And you're never going to become aware if you don't take that step step forward and step outside of our box a little bit. But that's where, you know, this kind of this kind of thing can be very, very motivating, especially if it's, you know, wanting to yeah. have babies. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it, it does. It it changes your relationship with your partner for sure.
0: You said step out of your box. It's kind of
1: stepping into it's it. ha <laughs> ha ha. Yes. Sorry. More ways than what. Yes. <laughs> Got
0: one to love the box. Okay. All right. So not only though, do you help women with pelvic floor disorders and all sorts of other issues and also men, I know you also help men there, Mm -hmm. but you've had your own battle with chronic illness. And if you're comfortable sharing that, would you mind talking a little bit about your diagnosis with Lyme and kind of your story over the last couple of years with that.
1: Yeah. It was actually after we, after we knew each other, right? So July. Yeah. You were diagnosed. Yeah. In 2016. Yeah. So it was that right after. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's for me, it started with fatigue, but I, you know, I own a business, I worked, you know, 12 hour days. And um, so I decided I would just start working out a little bit more. So (laughs) doing running and hit. Yeah. And then after a week of that, I started having all this pain. So I thought, okay, you know, and my husband make fun of me that I was just thinking I was younger than I was. But then I started, you know, one thing after another, I started, you know, I did the things I know to do. My back pain went away, but then it just started really gearing up in my head and my face. And so it was like, I, Having a hard time getting into my doctor. They gave me prednisone. Um, and then, after three weeks of really trying, I couldn't sw- Every time I tried to swallow, I had severe pain in my throat. And so went to a walk-in clinic and thankfully um, they did blood work and they they found, and it was an orthopedic place because I thought I injured myself. Mm -hmm. So I was super lucky. He said trigeminal neuralgia, which is basically, they call that the suicide nerve, which there's no way I could, have, I couldn't even sleep, you know, you can't (laughs) swallow. (laughs) And I'm living on Norco at this point because I'm in so much pain. It felt like I had an ice pick in the back of my head and Oh, my God. So he said he left for about a half an hour and came back and he must have done research, thank God, and said, Lyme and herpes can cause it. So let's test you and treat you. And he put me on antibiotics for it. And that night I got a 104 degree fever. I got really sick. I had no idea, but I still didn't think anything twice about it. Mm mm-hmm. And then it wasn't another like four days that I had a call and they said, you know, they read it over a computer. You have Lyme disease. Um, call your doctor within, you know, a week. And by the time, and then they wouldn't, they hadn't gotten the lab results. And so it was kind of a mess. By the time they did, my doctor did, she called. And apparently my, my blood work was through the roof and I got admitted. And then they have to do a spinal tap because it's what's called mm. neurological Lyme. There is Lyme arthralgia, which is joint pain, which is what is more common And neurological Lyme is it attacked my brain and spinal cord.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And so, yeah. And by the time we got there, my pulse was in the 30s. So they were going to put a pacemaker in. And so it was a mess <laughs> and they don't really understand it. And so now, you know, five years later, it's been yeah. So it really did help me, of course, understand because my whole career past 25 years has been mainly focused on working with chronic pain and illness. And and I the book I wrote, Your Self-Care Matrix, is was a template on how to em- how to embrace all of that, how to embrace change, knowing that your body's always changing. Mm-hmm. But I built this life with this body. <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden I came out of Lyme not being able to handle stress at all. Mm-hmm. After the acute illness part and they fix that, then after that, CDC doesn't believe in anything beyond that. And so whether it was chronic Lyme or post-treatment Lyme, Mm -hmm. I saw three neurologists after that that told me it was anxiety and I needed to believe in myself. And it was was quite debilitating. And finally, I did find the functional medicine world where they believe that, that they first said right off the bat that I didn't get enough antibiotics. And so that was the only time I felt good. So four pick lines later, (laughs) I'm here, but I am was, you know, working with a great team and really learning how to be empowered and and fight for myself. And it's hard to fight for yourself when you just completely feel like crap. You know, I mean, I had, you know, by the time um, I was, I started, I was feeling better with the pain, all of those drugs and antibiotics, I think affected my gut. Mm -hmm. So, you know, working and not eating and in pain and, and trying to still live your life, right? Yeah. No matter what it is, is it really does. It drains you a lot. And then when you fail over mm-hmm. and over and over again, mm-hmm. you feel like a failure and you let the, all those voices really get get you deep, in <laughs> And mm-hmm. then that affects your ability to heal. So, you know, it certainly unfortunately took me through all the paces of w- what I preach all the time. But, you know, living it is not a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you're actually going through it, it's depressing. Like your body, you have to grieve. And so you don't expect yeah. that too. I think it's mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like, well, just, you know, go through this, experience it and you're going to be okay. And it's like, but, but I'm I'm grieving everything that I was before. And I know that I'm not going to be that again. Like no matter what, I will always have this illness, even if it goes into remission. Like I know that I'm changed forever and that is a lot to deal with. So
1: and then you don't trust. You don't and it's hard to listen because it's hard to yeah. trust is is Islam returning? Is right. just, just, you know, am some I other just thing?
0: anxious? Is it just yeah. anxiety? That is such a double edged sword too. Because yeah. of course oh, yeah. of course there's anxiety. Like <laughs> of
1: course I'm anxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I don't
0: know if I'm gonna be able to live normally. Like that is incredibly anxiety provoking. But to blame all of my symptoms on my reaction to my symptoms is not fair.
1: Right. Well, and then not even use the word Lyme. Right. (laughs) Because it was three months ago. So So, it's over. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm so sorry. I I think
1: we're going to – and unfortunately, it's the same for pelvic floor too. You know, providers don't know what they don't know.
0: Right.
1: And, and, you know, so that's why it's up to us. And that's why, you know, I talk about that in my book, that creating a circle of trust – you know, mm-hmm. finding the resources, you know, finding people who are willing to give you resources like this podcast. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. that's so important. You just have to, you know, like I said, find your circle of trust, find, you know, people that you trust, friends and, and you know, find out who they went to see and what their experiences are. I think, you know, we have to be here for each other. Um, and that's why, you know, talking about our experiences so is so important. Mm-hmm. And listening to your gut, I think, is really important, too. But then once you find a provider that you trust, listening to them at the same time, you know, I think that can be hard when we've been failed. When we've failed and we've been Mm -hmm. let down a lot, it can be hard to trust again.
0: It can be hard to have that moment of belief too that, okay, I can heal from this. I can get better.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things, you know, it wasn't until I felt better that I didn't even know I was feeling better because by the fourth time I don't trust it anymore because I feel great. And then three months later I fail again. That's what was happening to me until we found the right regimen, which is what it's been over a year now. So
0: that's so good.
1: I started to then, then I was only then could I really work on the mental health part of parts of things. And that's really what the past year has been for me. And I I, somebody, the meditation was close your eyes and see nothing is possible, I think, or everything is impossible written on a chalkboard. And then see yourself erase those words and, you know, and then replace it with all is possible Mm. or everything is possible. Mm -hmm. And I remember that just was like, it was like I got punched in the face. I just, I didn't even realize that I had fully believed I had bought in at that point that I didn't, I no longer thought anything was possible. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what that's what chronic illness, anything it you does. practice over and over again, you know, that's those are those are the messages, and you have to be able to see that in order to be able to come up out of it, and that mm-hmm. that is what places like this are, are about, and that's why pelvic floor therapy, because I, I believe that most pelvic floor therapists are very holistic in how they see things, because mm-hmm. there is no denying, right, that mm-hmm. when we're stressed, we get constipated or we pee more, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we really can't deny that our gut mm-hmm. gets affected with yeah. stress. Yeah. So there is a lot of that, you know, deep work that has to happen um, as well. And that can be hard. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not your traditional therapy is go and you do the the exercises. You know, there is a big part of, you know, looking at the narration of what Mm -hmm. you're telling yourself and what your goals are. Like you said, being realistic, like I, I, I don't ever want to have pain again. That's my goal. Yeah. Right? That might not be a realistic goal. And then if you fail that goal, then, you know, so.
0: Right. When it's streaky. day after day of, oh, wait, I still have pain. Oh, wait, I still have pain. And then you're continually, continually. Right. But we're left. both
1: living proof that it is. And that's what yeah. we got to
0: remember. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I am back with Denise. We took a little break and are recording again. Thanks for being back with me today, Denise.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So I ask this question a lot to guests, and I think that you offer a really interesting perspective because not only have you gone through chronic illness diagnosis, you've also walked a lot of patients through that in physical therapy, actually treating them. So I guess if you could go back and talk to anyone right after they get a chronic illness diagnosis, what do you think are some of the most important things for them to keep in mind?
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah, know. You know, right word. when you first get diagnosed, you know, I I, I I believe it's hard to probably hear anything, you know, when I look back, you know, at, at the beginning of my journey, you know, fear and, and and panic and all of those things and just and literally trying to survive is obviously what's most important and priority. So I very much believe in surrounding yourself with people <laughs> with your people and your support so your support group. So you know honing in on that support group and you know and really understanding who you want to surround yourself with sets you up for when when you do right we're all inevitably going to go through something. so having set yourself up with a support group, of what I talk about in my book is your circle of support which includes friends and family trusted friends and family but also really honing in on the people that you feel really listen to you between your primary care physician your OBGYN you know any other specialists as well as alternative and complementary medicines you know I think massage therapy is a really integral part reflexology you know chiropractic care those kinds of things so that's a great way to to set up. So I think prevention <laughs> yeah. um, is certainly what I've learned, and paying attention to your body and um, the signals that your body's giving you now before they become symptoms. So then, when you know understanding your normal, so that when signals start happening, we can try to be in touch right away at the beginning with my Lyme disease, I started having pain, which I knew was off, like my neck hurt, and it started really taking over my life. And I think that's really that's when we're really good at, we kind of value <laughs> ignoring and enduring pain, truly. We talked about this earlier, how people think about it at the very end, we'll, I'll be um, 60 minutes into an evaluation, and they'll go, oh yeah, that's right. I've had low back pain my whole life. They don't even think of it as pain or as as anything, right? But pain is your body telling you something's wrong. (laughs) So I had, I had this pain and, and I immediately started doing all the things I knew how to do from therapy, which I'm an occupational therapist. So I think that affords me the, that's the, you know, looking more at the integration of the mind and the body. So I did all the physical things. I did the modalities, I saw a chiropractor. I, I immediately tried to be empowered to take, care of myself and I wasn't getting anywhere. And so it took me three, four weeks before I got the diagnosis and which, you know, compared to others, well, I was very lucky. So trying to stay on top of it and fighting for yourself, I, I really did have to fight. And then, but that was only the beginning, you know, and, and I was very much, I was ready to go back to work the, the next day. I <laughs> They basically put a a halter monitor on me, talked about putting me on a pacemaker. And I went home with an IV in my arm for 30 days and I was ready to go back to work. So I really had to be forced, you know, to to, to stay home for six weeks. And so I think learning how to let go, that's the other thing. When we talk about, you and I have discussed mindfulness and having a mindfulness practice. These are all things that I wish you know, that I had had, I very much valued my, my my physical health. So when my pain and energy and all of those things started to affect my quality of life, then I fought for myself. But then as I started, you know, I healed after three months and three months later, trying to start to get back into the workforce, I started, I, I got very, it was very debil- debilitated. And that is what started you know, having three doctors telling me that it was anxiety and, mm-hmm. and then you go through all this. Um, and, and so I guess that would be the next thing I would say is, you know, surround yourself with people and then be prepared to have every aspect of your mental health mm. <laughs> challenge, you know, hone in and practice on self-love and self-care and self-awareness and support, surround yourself with those people that are, that also practice those things.
0: What were some mindfulness techniques that you employed that helped you
1: you know i have i've taught yoga for for um, a long time so and diaphragmatic breathing is an integral part of of therapy and and what i teach which is why you know my book your self-care matrix truly what i talk about is self-care is health care and being a, aware in moment by moment that to me is is the most realistic way to practice yeah. mindfulness, which is truly being present and in the moment. But I think I've I've read a lot, you know, Eckhart Tolle, you know, oh. Oprah. Remember Oprah back at Oprah's yeah. book club days? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a huge, you know, so I was definitely on that train with with Oprah. So I've read a lot. I've read a, a pretty much everything she threw at me. A full living catastrophe. John Kabat-Zinn, he has a whole mindfulness clinic, in I think it's the U- University of Massachusetts, right. and studying you know yoga. The thing that really did it for me, that made me realize what a crazy storm my brain was, is um, Muji YouTube. He is basically a, like a Buddhist Jamaican, <laughs> a Jamaican Buddhist, oh, and he says a really great way <laughs> of describing it. Everybody has to find find the thing that that does, just, just, just you know that that it for them, but it really just, it's not the art of not thinking. It's mm-hmm. not just not thinking. It's its watching your thoughts and not attaching to them, not mm-hmm. believing that that voice in your head. Uh, I love, he says, to question how realistic and, and how reliable, how reliable is that voice in your head, truly. And when you have a chronic illness and you fail over and over again, and you just, you are not what you thought you were meant to be, or, or you're not you anymore because you Wrap your your whole persona up in in truly your physical being. I think you know. By the time we we're in our 30s and we have children, we are still wrapped up in. We can it's easily be wrapped up in that, and we're trying to to figure out who we are. And then when you get a big wrench thrown in your your life, Mm -hmm. um, that that throws everything off. And you know, waking up in the morning, and, and especially when you're by yourself, and you know not knowing if you're going to be able to get out of bed not know if you're going to be able to to have the energy for your day or you know be able to travel to, to schedule a trip you have no idea what kind of state of health you're going to be in a month from now you just can't rely on yourself anymore and then not being reliable anymore that really does a lot of head trip stuff on you and unfortunately uh, many of us it's we're not to it's not till we're at the very bottom that we that we realize this so practicing not attaching to those thoughts and, and trying to be in the moment. And it is so incredibly important because it does it just the amount of energy that 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 sucks out of you <laughs> detracts from any healing. And that's what i that's what we, we really hear day in, day, day out by the time that people find us very often holistic, you know, is the last stop shop. We don't look holistic until we've tried everything else. So by the time we find those people yeah. you know, or people find us. Unfortunately, a lot of you know we have a pretty stuck narrative in our head, and then that manifests physically or just perpetuates what we enter with. So, watching our state of mind, you know, even when we're especially when we're healthy, I think really does does help. You know, the, the longevity of it. Yeah,
0: I think it's interesting that you and I have walked such different paths, but when you talk to someone who has a chronic illness, almost. Every person I have talked to that has come out on the other side of it healthy emotionally, some people have healed physically, some people haven't, but are, are actually enjoying their lives again. Yeah. So many people have read that book, <laughs> Be Here Now by Eckhart Which one? Kennedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Or yeah. just you know that mindset that you were just describing so beautifully. And I think when you're preventatively, so if someone's listening to this who is well, everything that you just said just... Listen to her because it's. I think it's key to healing. But you're right; it's key to not getting sick, yeah. or even being sick, or in the pain. That is the key to actually living. Is not getting so wrapped up in all of the other things that matter so much that you wake up to when you're actually sick and realize what what matters, and just being there in the moment and being alive and that mindfulness that you're talking about is so huge. So tell me more about your book. You talk about Lyme in it, your journey, chronic illness. What else would a reader expect to find?
1: Right. So first chapter is talking about what we, what we just talked about was putting self-care back into healthcare, and that there, there truly is no difference between the two. You know, what you decide to put in your body um, is equally as important to, you know, your annual <laughs> dentist checks or, or, you know, your, your primary health care. Checkups, your wellness. I, I believe is um, that there there shouldn't be a difference between the two. And if we are, like you said, if we are listening to our signals and being in the moment and, and addressing things, um, then then that then, then you know then we will limit the need for anything beyond because of the. Because we're taking it from a prevention standpoint. And then for those things that we are just ignoring and enduring and, and learning to live with, you know, if we can start to pay attention to those things, then what, why are we not doing anything about them? So paying attention to turning our reasons or our excuses into reasons you know because obviously we hear those a lot well i just don't have time i just don't have the money i just, you know those kinds of things when it comes to therapy just therapy mm-hmm. uh, let alone eating eating well <laughs> drinking water i just don't like the taste you know mm-hmm. are, are there are there ways that we can reformat those you know the questions and i and i talk about the mind the fixed mindset versus you know the more open mindset you know i the i can't versus i won't versus I, I want to learn, I want to try. And, and that's really what um, following a book or listening to a podcast is. You know, that's the motivation. You know, that's, that's hope. So, you know, holding on to hope and continuing to reach for things that speak to you, that, that make that seed inside of you, you know, inside of your belly grow a little bit just continuing to fight for yourself. And, and that's what I talk about is, is using this chronic whatever. And just to define chronic, right, that's anything that that's more than three months that you're living with for more than three months. And by the time three months comes around, you are, you know, if you look at your circle of life and all of the things that you're doing, right, from your immediate family to your work to, you know, the community things that you enjoy doing, within that three months, our circle has gone down to just the middle, right? We're just we have had to get rid of our community things. we had to get, you know, maybe our work is suffering and now, you know, we are only honing in on our immediate care or immediate family. You know, when we are allowing our life, our, our, our life to shrink, that is when, like I said, we're at the bottom when we need to look up. That is, is truly what I feel. I am where I am today. And I understand mindfulness and, and the importance of how I look at myself and how I talk to myself because of Lyme. You know, Lyme gave me so much. It, it took away a lot and it was yeah. um, a struggle. But, you know, I, I think if you know, the, the I talk about making lemonade in the book. Um, and so then after that, once we once we look at what may be a re- excuse that we know is in our head, even if it's I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'll never be enough. You know, there is ways to look at those statements Um, and it's so freeing when, when you do, and then you start to, can, you can learn to, to hear what the signals, and then you can truly listen, what's going on inside of your body so that you can then learn to speak. So now I'm into principle six, these are all chapters in my book. So then once you can learn to speak your, what your normal is, because now you're aware of what your normal is and what signals are going on. That's when then you can start to um, make your dream team you know surround yourself with the people what what what's positive in your life and, and what can you start to shed now that you are feeling good enough that you can that you are are deserving of good loving people and and healing i think it, you know we when we get knocked down enough we don't we start to think maybe we're just not worth it or that it's not possible yeah so and then by the time you 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 start to you have to feel you have to feel Worth it before you start fighting for yourself. Yeah. I, I very much have learned that. So, so I'm always so amazed by the people that that do walk through our doors because very often with holistic and pelvic floor, you know, pelvic floor therapy is still not very not nearly as readily prescribed as say, you know, physical therapy, therapy for low back. So by the time people find us men and women, they have fought for themselves. They are asking questions. They are going and, and talking and learning and Googling. And so I'm always so amazed and they get themselves better because, you know, they have hope and they have fought for themselves. So, and then, then we eventually get into setting goals, talking about goals from, from day, week, month, year and then um, uh, exercises uh, to do based on the mindfulness.
0: I love it. Okay, so say someone is not local. If they are local, they can come in to motivate, right? Set up an appointment. Right. Or even, so this goes for someone local or not. Say they're experiencing some pelvic pain. Are, are there any like first line sort of exercises or stretches or something that they could do to get into their body to? kind of acknowledge what's going on and sort of provide a little bit of relief or that mindfulness that you were talking about? Anything you could describe over
1: over the sound wave? Yeah. Well, just first to, so that everybody understands um, pelvic floor therapy is – Depending on what state you're in, is just uh, prescribed by a doctor, possibly mm-hmm. for occupational therapists. Uh, it's pres- prescribed by, by a physician. You have to have a referral, but many places you do not. Physical therapists um, do have direct access, so they can either um, seek out. But most pelvic floor therapists places have free consultations, so where you can either talk to them um, in uh, live, like we do, or over the phone to just learn, to talk about you know the kind of symptoms that you're having and, and how or if we can possibly help you. So that's a good first place to start. I do have a website called motivatetherapy.com. We have a ton of exercises and videos on our YouTube channel, um, Motivate Therapy. We have a ton of exercises from breathing to stretches to strengthening exercises to meditations over the next three months. I'm going to be doing different meditations for – pelvic pain and mindfulness. So definitely check out um, our YouTube channel. And then coming up in May, our, we're going to start our self-care you. And our first course is, is um, overactive bladder. So self-care solutions for overactive bladder. It's a six week course. So the first one is all about education. So it's based off of our learning about your behavior. So bladder diaries and bladder irritants and paying attention to your habits and breathing and and great things to apply to your life right away. And then tissue health, so stretching and foam rolling and self-massaging into then strengthen uh, mobility exercises. So, and then that's for therapy portion of of life and education, you know, resources for people wherever they are to do um, online at home. And then my book, I'm offering, gonna be offering self-care coaching pretty soon. So you can do one-on-one coaching with me using my book as a template for setting goals. And um, so I can help you improve your quality of life like this, this way, speaking over Zoom. But then right now, you know, the breath. Truly, just sitting wherever you are, allow your feet to connect to the floor, feel your, your butt bones connected to the, the surface, or lay down, whatever surface you're on. And just bring awareness to your nose. And inhale for a count of three, feeling the cool air in. And then as you exhale, feel the warm air out through gentle purse lips, like you're blowing out of a candle for seven, six, five. Five, four, three, two, one. And just pay attention to how that felt. And I always think it's good to do like a pre and post awareness of how are you feeling right now, maybe energy, stress, pain, whatever. Just bring attention to that. Or maybe you feel perfectly happy and content. And then let's do three of those breaths. So let's inhale for three, two, one. Exhale for seven, six. Five, four, three, two, one. And again, in, two, three, out, slow. Four, three, two, one. One more time, in for three, two, one. Out, four, three, two, one. Beautiful. And then just bring awareness back your feet to the floor, your butt bones to the surface. And then just awareness of how you feel right now and what it feels like to just be present and to check in. And for the most part, the muscles, your body, your brain was thinking about something else, um, maybe what you need to do next. And then just by coming into the breath, your muscles go, oh, I don't have to prepare or go through the fight she's thinking about in her head. And then just checking in and and doing that throughout the day, it really does make you realize how much you deprive yourself of energy by not allowing yourself to do it. And then it can get a little addicting,
0: just Mm -hmm. learning how to
1: breathe throughout the day, just checking (laughs) in, what I call self-care check-in. I love it. And if anyone's listening and didn't just
0: do that exercise, go back and do it because
1: I I feel so much better right now. Yay. Denise. Yeah, you know, self care doesn't have to be complicated. Truly, doesn't have to be making time to take a big old bubble bath. You know, we're going on vacation. It can be just checking in with your breath, a few breaths, and just continuing. The, yeah, and 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 feeling worthy of, of fighting for yourself. Thank you. I want to
0: give you a person. I'm going to start getting teary here. Aww. Personally, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity. I think you were the first you were the first person to give me some hope, to give me some direction, and to believe that I can heal. And I think that your story in and of itself and what you've taught me also is that we have to believe and use this, if we can, as a gift to really find that mindfulness and find what matters and be present. And so just thank you for sharing your story and for putting a book out there to help other people. Also, it's not just physical therapy for your vagina friends. (laughs) Pelvic floor therapy is so much more. And I, I just really have appreciated your holistic view all that you've shared with me and all that you're sharing with other people. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. If anybody wants to reach out to you, I will have some links so that they can. If, do you want to just quickly give them a little verbal how they can find you?
1: Yeah. Uh, Nichols at motivatetherapy.com is a great way um, to connect with me, uh, our website, motivatetherapy.com. You can contact us. You can sign up for our newsletter. We, we send a, um, a monthly newsletter via email. And so all of those things that I talked about, access to, our, to my book and the self-care coaching and those kinds of things, we will be sending monthly. So that's probably a great way you can do that on, on our website. Contact us that way. Are you on social media anywhere? Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, YouTube, our YouTube channel that I mentioned, uh, Facebook, which is Motivate Personal Physical Rehabilitation and Motivate Therapy on Instagram.
0: Okay, I will link all of those. So if any of you would like to keep up with Denise, which I think you should, go ahead and check that out in the show notes. So thanks again so much, Denise. It's been an honor to have you on the show.
1: All right, thank you. And you should be super proud of yourself. It's awesome. Thank you. Yep.